I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. I'm Kevin. Are you? And it's time for episode number 333 of Video Games Hot Dog. That really didn't sound like you, Kevin. Are you sure it's not me? It could totally be me. No. I, well... Now I'm sure. <laughs> I can I can tell it's you from the from the horrible noises that your phone mic constantly makes all the time. Okay. Um, but That's from good. your from your actual speaking voice, I can't tell that it's you. Okay. <clears throat> Luckily, the phone microphone is not what we're using to record. How you doing, Kevin? We're all remote again. This is garbage. We need to hang out together. Yeah. Uh, it's true. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. We. Uh, well, I'm coming back to San Francisco tomorrow. Cool. I've had it. I've had it with this heat. I've had it with uh, dealing with contractors. Do you know? Are, are you guys familiar? Or maybe this is just me. But my experience of trying to communicate with anyone, anyone other than Kevin via email, <laughs> is that if you ask somebody one question in an email, they will answer that one question. If you ask somebody two questions, they will answer one of the two questions at random. Right. And if you ask somebody three questions, they will answer none of the questions. Do you? So is your response to that to just send multiple emails if you have multiple questions, or can, do you just have to pick the one question that you want? To I yeah, I've I've started just sending single question. And, like, this woman at the house painting company that I've been trying to work out a thing with uh, is, like, getting kind of snippy about it. Like, acting as though she already answered these questions when, in fact, she didn't. I'm real tired of logistical house bullshit. Is it possible that she told you two, th that she told you two things before, but you only read one of them? It's possible that I did only read one of them. I, the beginning of this email chain is... An email from her saying, just verifying that we're starting the job on uh, June 14th. And that is the first that date had ever been mentioned by anyone huh. ever. Huh. And so it, it didn't, it just kind of went, it continued from there. I think some people are showing up to paint parts of the house tomorrow. They're probably going to paint all the parts that I don't want painted and ruin it. Are they painting you inside know or outside? Outside. Okay. Did you um, tell them not to paint the window panes? I didn't. But they asked if they they asked if I wanted them to paint over all the brick, which, like, fucking, what of course I don't. Who fuck? would ever want that? <laughs> that is so disgusting. So, like, it. Well, yeah, it, I mean, like, that is basically as dumb a question as "Do you want us to paint over all the windows?" I yeah. I I can guarantee there are some real dumb householders house owners who don't know what's good, who were, who 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 would have asked a house painter to paint the brick because they wanted their entire house to be that that pleasant shade of piss yellow or whatever they've picked out. Even the windows, yeah. do you think? They just paint over the glass? I would only want them to paint the mortar between the bricks. <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should have gotten a quote. How much to just paint? To only paint... The segments of the mortar between the bricks that are uh, Fibonacci sequence, starting <laughs> at the ground on the north and, e and north and east sides, and starting at the at the roof on the west and south sides. The man, my realtor is, and you know, we've gotten past this, but he he like very much believes that the right thing to do to sell this house is to paint all of the interior woodwork, which uh. right now like. It's a it's a gigantic house with a tremendous amount of like built-in storage and matching like stand hardwood cabinets and doors and windows and window shades like wooden window shades and stuff the entire house and like I just 
even if it would look better, just like the amount of time that I have spent in my life. I should rephrase this. The amount of time that I know my mom has wasted, <laughs> even in my lifetime, scraping the paint off of wood to yeah. to refinish things in houses and furniture and stuff. It just is instilled in me this like such an intense aversion to painting over something that's made of wood because it is it is a certainty that no matter what is in style now the normal wood will eventually come back in style and someone will have to scrape all that fucking paint off and i just don't want to create that wood you like is back in style I, yes it is i i just i don't want to create like i would rather get less money for the house than create that much wasted effort and the, i am such a pain in the ass to deal with because of shit like that like i feel really sorry for michael my my high school buddy who is helping me sell this house <clears throat> it's real hot here and it sucks and i uh i had i paid a lot of money to get the pool fixed because that was a thing that i had to do and then i got in the pool for like 20 minutes and i thought well this is fucking boring still <laughs> i got out of the pool <laughs> and remembered why i hadn't uh bothered to maintain it all this time did you swim in it or did you just sit in it i floated and i sat and i smoked a cigar because it was like the only cold part of the world um man you know what i should have had is some of the water from our weekend uh you should, oh, you yeah. should tell the, the tell tell the listeners about our our uh our, our weekend excursion kevin uh, so we, uh, some KOL players sort of organized a, uh, board game fest, uh, up in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, and we went and we got a like big house there and, uh, a bunch of people came and stayed in this house and we got there and, uh, the first thing I wanted to do was just take a shower. I'd been traveling all day and felt gross and started running the, running the water and it was like just not getting warm at all and i was like huh maybe it's maybe the hot water is just like colder up here because it's the mountains um and i got in the shower i was like it was not it was definitely not hot water uh and so we called the owner and turns out that they had run out of propane because um, they don't have like gas lines to these houses um and so things like you couldn't you couldn't cook anything because the gas stove wouldn't work and there's no hot water, um, so it's kind of a kind of a crappy situation all around. Um, but uh, I took a lot of cold showers this weekend, and we didn't cook any eggs. That's true. We bought. We I, bought like I suggested eggs. Yeah, I suggested them. to Melissa that we could just cook them in the toaster, but she didn't want to try it. They're, they are totally <laughs> cookable in a microwave in a way that's not terrible. Like it's not you're not going to get over easy eggs or whatever, but they're they're fine. Um, how do you how do you do it? Just put eggs in a bowl and microwave them. Where, what do you end up with? Like, do you scra do you scramble them up and you put them in a bowl them. and yeah. microwave and you them? Just, you get like a little okay. pu a puck of egg. That's how they get the mm. like. That's how they get the um the perfectly you know egg like the muffin sized egg pucks for uh cafes and stuff. They just microwave them in little plastic bowls the same size as the um. The muffin, and then mm. it just fits. I always assumed they were. Oh like, yeah, that makes sense. I always assumed they were like frying them in like a cookie cutter or something. Yeah, or like an oil filter wrench. I always imagined just like putting just the metal part of an oil filter wrench on, 
on the stovetop and then putting eggs in it. Yeah. Although that's probably that's what they had to do before they invented microwaves. That's probably <laughs> that's true. true. Those those filter wrenches have a bunch of little holes in them so that you can tighten and close them. Though, so a lot of the egg would pour out and then you would just end up with like a sort of egg popsicle with an oil filter wrench handle <laughs> as the handle. I guess lollipop is what I is what I meant, not not popsicle. Um but uh yeah. We played a we played a lot of board game. Oh, um, oh just one, huh? one was it uh, Arkham Horror? Just one. No. No, it was uh it w- so th- day one we played a bunch of stuff, but then when the the crew that we had assembled for this purpose uh got uh, fuck it. I got to I gotta go deal with this. Sorry, guys. What is what is the food that sounds the most like microphone? Microroni. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, I'm back. So. The, so- so the second day, when the when the uh, the majority of the crew that we had set this up with arrived, we started playing a game called Charterstone, which is a uh, it's a legacy game made by Stonemeyer Games, and it starts out with basically a blank map and a blank instruction manual, and you sort of go through this box and pull out cards and follow the instructions on the cards to sort of set up the game and learn to play the game, and it plays out over a twelve game campaign which you're supposed to play with the same group of people, which we did, which essentially we started at like seven in the morning on the first day and ended at one in the morning on the, on the last day. Wow. Um, And more or less played nothing else besides this. And it was great and I really enjoyed it and I would never do it again or do anything like it again or recommend (laughs) that anybody else do it. I would, I would wholeheartedly recommend that other, if you have a, if you have a gaming group, you should absolutely play Charterstone. Yeah, uh, I think six, because it's I think very good. Six players is a good idea. Like, I think I think there's rules. Like, if you don't if, diminish, yeah. If there's not if there's not a fifth or sixth or fourth or third or second player, there are rules for running like an automata that just kind of moves at random and places stickers on the board at random. But it's hmm. fucked up because it places stickers on the board at random. So it's like yeah. not. It creates boards that no human <clears throat> would ever make. Um. So, yeah, it's like it's like a worker placement game that just, you know, because of its nature as a legacy game, gradually introduces new systems and you open new boxes with cool new pieces and new gimmicks and new things in them. And there's a, there were a couple like there were a couple like real fun, big surprises. Oh, and yeah. it's very good. Yep. It's uh, there were a couple of moments of and real, also, like drama and stuff. It was really exciting. Yeah. And it's like not crazy competitive, you know, like we were not generally speaking like getting in each other's way every everybody was able to sort of like reactively pursue their own victory point strategies and there's no hidden information at all which is pretty cool for one of those games you don't have like hidden goals or right you know a hand of cards that you can spring out and fuck somebody over with First day, uh, we played some other cool stuff too. Uh, did you, Kevin, get to play any games of Mountains of Madness? I did not. I don't know who oh, made I've this game. Heard it- of that? That's the one with like the that that adds rules for how you have to behave as you're playing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a fairly simple game. Um, it's like you you 
lay out tiles in a triangle that represent this mountain that you're climbing up, and then you flip over the tile, and it tells you sort of, like, you could probably play this with a regular deck of cards, because that's basically what it is. You have, like, a, you know, 2 through 10 of guns, a 2 through 10 of books, a 2 through 10 of supplies, and a, a given card will require, like, eight guns and exactly eight guns and nine to 12 supplies. And so then when you turn it over, you then have like some time to just talk amongst yourselves. Okay. I've got in my hand four guns and four supplies. So if somebody else can make up the difference, then we can take care of this. And you like, you know, you just do that. You put some cards down face down and then you reveal everything that got put down. And if it matches the criteria, you succeed at the encounter. And if not, which often it just doesn't happen, and sometimes you'll just go crazy. Anyway, you have to draw a madness card, which the low-level ones say things like, you can only ever touch one of your cards at a time, or you have to speak in a German accent. To, to the higher ones, which are like, you, you, like, your chin can never be above the level of the table, or <laughs> you have to pace around the entire time, or you can't speak at all, or... Anytime somebody says the word weapon, you have to scream and then be silent for the entire rest of the round. <laughs> that was amazing. That was, that was one that came up. Yeah, it's it's really good. I don't there, I don't know who makes the game, and it can't be Fantasy Flight because it would have a billion times as many rules and pieces if it were Fantasy Flight. But <laughs> no, like, I don't think it, it is. Just, it's just such a strong, like central, interesting thing about it that uh, yeah, it's very very good. And the basic rules, you only ever have one madness at a time, and they progress to the more difficult ones, but you can play a version of it, like, there's a variant in the box that's just, no, you just keep all of them that you ever get, so they just oh stack up and, and accumulate. Did you play When I Dream, Zach, well, this weekend? Yes, that is pretty cool, too, although yeah. I, I, you should describe it, because I kind of don't, I was pretty drunk by that point. <laughs> okay. Uh so the way that when I dream works uh, is that there is a deck of cards in the middle of the table. Uh, they have their sort of dreamlike images on them. Um, and each image is, is basically picturing a noun of some kind, but blended with another noun. And on each sort of the top and the bottom of the card, there's like a, a word that indicates what's on the card. And the cards are two-sided, and on the back, there's another sort of dual image there. Uh, and it's sort of like uh, other games where you are trying to get a person to say a thing, but you can't say a specific... You can't say the actual thing itself. Um, but this one is way more interesting. So the, the person... There's one person who is the dreamer. They are blindfolded. And the other players are assigned roles... Uh, at random every round some of them are like good guys some of them are bad guys and some of them are attempting to achieve balance between the two and you just take turns rapid fire going around in a circle saying a single word to try to get the dreamer to be able to say the word or words that are printed on the card um, <clears throat> and so the good guys are trying to get them to say that the word the bad guys are trying to get them to say anything else and the 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 balance people want want to help whichever team is right is not winning right now, so that there can be an even number of cards at the end of the game on both sides. So like at, when it, when the dreamer says something, if they say the right word, that card goes into the like co the correct pile. If they say something wrong, that card goes into the 
bad pile and I'm told that there's a new card. Um, and so, and you get about a minute or two per round. There's a little sort of uh, hourglass timer that you flip over when the when the round starts. Uh, and, <clears throat> and then when the when the timer is done, the dreamer then has to uh, tell you about the dream they had, which if they can mention every word that they said uh, that was one of the correct cards, although they don't know necessarily which ones are correct and which ones aren't, uh, then they get bonus points. Uh, and so as a dreamer, you are trying to figure out which voices you're hearing are giving you good clues and which ones aren't. And also uh, remember everything that you've said up to that point, <laughs> uh, which mm. is really hard. It's hard to like keep like a, like a list of words in your head and also be like actively doing something else. Um, it, it, it's just such a good, interesting variant on, on like a Dixit style game. Uh, I love it. It's really, really fun. Yeah, it kind of it, the things that it borrows from Dixit are both the kind of surreal art and combination of concepts and dreamlike imagery, and also a kind of a convoluted scoring system that no one actually gives a shit about. Yeah, like just playing it is its own reward in so many ways that I don't, I don't even know who won the game that we played because it just doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah. I love that there are games like that, that like Balder Dash was a game that I would play with my high school friends and we just didn't yeah. have score because it was just so much fun and it was so funny to, to like make. Well, yeah. Up. And the thing with Balder Dash in particular is that if you're playing for score, it makes the game worse because it disincentivizes coming up with funny definitions right. because everyone knows yeah. the funny ones are the, the fakes. See, that's why the best game is Cards Against Humanity, because your only goal is to be as funny as possible. <laughs> uh, uh, did you play anything else interesting while we were there? I can't yes. remember. Uh, I played a game which I had never seen before. I think it's a German game called The Mind. Oh, yeah. It is so simple and so good. Uh, it is a deck of a hundred and seven cards uh five of them are 108 cards five of them are just sort of counters that are your lives uh three of them are uh sort of throwing stars that you can use uh and then the rest are numbered one through 100 i guess and i guess there's also there's another 14 cards which sort of tell you which level you're on or whatever um <clears throat> but the the cards that are just the number from one to 100 are dealt out uh to the players based on what round it is. So on round one, each player gets one card. Um, and you can play with an arbitrary number of people. It gets pretty hard up above like four or five. Um, but the idea is that everyone in the circle uh, is supposed to play their card uh, in ascending numerical order and no one can talk. No one can communicate with anybody else. So the only thing you, like have, you can you can look at you can look at each other right, but you can't and, you can't like yeah. indicate with blinks or whatever like what card you have or anything like that. You're not supposed to be communicating other than l looking at other players and waiting. Like, <clears throat> and it it might not sound good from that description, but it is an amazing game. <laughs> 
Huh. It because it feels so like if you keep playing it with the same group of people, you will just get really good at it and you won't understand why and you will just start to feel like you're fucking psychic. It's <laughs> so cool. It is the most like satisfying, mysterious sort of skill advancement thing. Yeah. Cause you're like and you'll have these moments where like you'll play a card and somebody will play the card right after like the like you'll play twenty three, somebody will play twenty four, then another place will play twenty five, and then you'll play twenty six and like everyone will just sort of look at each other like, Holy cow, how did we get like these four very close cards all in the correct order and be super set excited about it? Um Yeah. It's just and each round it gets different because as so the second round you have two cards and the third round you have three cards and so on. So as you have more cards, less of the possibility space is emptiness. Whereas like that first round is really hard because um, you don't know, like everybody could have like cards 70 and above and nobody's going to want to go first the card that's like 75 or something like that. Uh, and so that becomes very difficult. But there, when you get to the point where like nobody's making any action, you can vote and see... Um, if everybody agrees, then you can use one of your throwing stars, which everyone discards their lowest card. Um, yeah, and then that rev that reveals a tremendous amount of information. Yeah, but you only get three of those, and you you can acquire you acquire a couple extra ones throughout the game, but they uh, they're a very sort of uh, precious resource. It's it's also weird because the amount of information that it reveals depends on like how good the other people are at logic. Yeah, because yeah. like seeing somebody else's lowest card, like you might know something, mm. <laughs> right? But yeah, it's it's kind like, of like those logic puzzles where all the prisoners are wearing different color hats and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, it's exactly like that, and it's like it, it's a simpler thing that you have to be able to do, but just like not everyone can do it. So that the part of the strategy is in kind of understanding that. It's weirdly. I mean, it's in, it's weirdly themed. Like, it's in German. Each of the rounds just have a name that's some German, like, psychology term. And I don't get why they're throwing stars that you use. Right. And, like, the lives <laughs> yeah, are, like, weird spirit fairy things. The lives are, like, yeah, little rabbits made out of neon lines. Have we, we haven't lost Jim, have we? No, I'm still here. Okay. Uh. I played a couple other little games. I played a game called Drop It, uh, which is sort of a sort of a rethinking of co like Connect Four in some ways, where there's a a vertical board that not board, I guess, a vertical sort of apparatus that has a gap in between two panes of plastic, and you're dropping differently colored and shaped pieces into this into this sort of group, this slot, and you are trying to get pieces to fall in such a way that they are not touching any other pieces of the same color or same shape. Um, hmm. And if you do, based on based on how high it is in the stack and a couple other things, uh, you score points. Um, it's really it's got a lot more strategy to it than than like a Connect Four game, and it's it seems it's really fun. I, I don't know, like it's it seems it's like, like a real it's like a real life physics puzzler, like yeah. like. You know, the, the game where, like, just sort of slightly blobby blocks are falling and you're having to catch them on something or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's pretty fun, and it's, like, a good a good game for two to four players. It was, it was pretty enjoyable. Um, 
And then I played a game called Magic Maze, which is another cooperative game. This one you're you're also not supposed to talk for the most of for most of the time. And it's the theming is very strange. It's it's a group of adventurers who are trying to uh shoplift stuff from a mall. <laughs> um <laughs> and it's like a barbarian and a wizard and a rogue and stuff like that. Uh and everyone has every player has like a cardinal direction that they can move pieces in and and some of them some people have uh, the ability to like go up escalators or to use teleport pads and that kind of thing and you're supposed to achieve the goal which is to get all the adventurers to a, to the shop that they're looking for and then at that moment everyone sort of simultaneously steals stuff and then they have to get out uh and there's a timer and nobody can talk. And so you're trying to coordinate all of these moving parts with no communication um, other than being able to like put a piece in front of somebody and, and sort of like remind them that they could do something at this, at this moment. Um, it's interesting. It's, it's weird. I think they, there's a, it, it's a game where you start off with a very sort of simple rule set and then you sort of layer on additional rules over time as you get more accustomed to it and i didn't play it enough to to get to the super high end of stuff um but they add guards later and uh special rules about only certain people can unlock certain doors and stuff like that so it becomes you're just moving people all over the place um to achieve anything um yeah I think that's about it. I like played that. one game of Vast. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is Vast, the Crystal Caverns. That game is real fucking complicated. I, like, I love the theming of it, but it's it does seem so hard because everybody has different rules. Yeah. I would really love to play it more, but only if I was playing it with four other people who knew way more about the rules than I do. Like, I... I am so tempted to sell my copy when I get home because I know that I'm never going to want to explain to anyone how to play it. <laughs> um, it's it's just like it's this it's a good game. It's extremely asymmetrical, uh, where each player has an like basically is playing an entirely different kind of game. There's a knight who's playing a sort of a basic dungeon crawl. There's goblins who are playing a kind of a resource management game. The cave itself is playing a kind of Carcassonne-style tile-laying game to try to get people around where uh, it wants to be. And the, there's a dragon, which is... I don't know what the dragon is doing. <laughs> it starts exactly. off asleep. Are these all players? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah that's uh, just like, what a wild idea. Yeah, the, where, one of the players is the cave itself, which is so great. You know? Yeah. What is that called? Um, yeah, if you... Vast colon the Crystal Cavern. They and I think um, they either are kickstarting or just announced a an expansion or something to it as well. Which is like six additional characters to play. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. It's. I think it might be I, a, just a totally different. It has, a, It a also has a, an uh, expansion and some bonus cards that you can get. Oh, yeah. it's a Wizards of the um, Coast one. Oh, is it? I think so. Oh, weird. They must have picked it up because it was it was originally kickstarted by I I think it was designed by a friend of uh, Victor's, the West of Loathing programmer, 
because he told maybe, us about the Kickstarter. Maybe it's just a titling anomaly on Amazon. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's all I can think of that I played. But yeah, it was a real, it was a real dork out. Yeah. Played one game of Two Rooms in a Boom, which was pretty fun. Uh, Kevin and I were mimes, so we were not allowed to speak, uh, which was fine. Yep. Mostly, yeah, I just would go to sleep dreaming of worker placement in Charterstone. Did you find that you had any uh, revelations about strategies? While I was sleeping? Yeah. I did not. I, I'd like to expand on that question. Has anybody ever had a useful insight about anything while they were sleeping? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You, well, you must have. Like, I've well, okay. woken up. I have certainly woken up with problems solved that I was worried about and didn't have an idea for the previous day. Yeah, I yeah, guess not I guess like I'm asking specifically stuff about like dreams or anything, but Yeah, that's that's actually what I mean. Like I've definitely woken up and suddenly I'm better at a skill I was practicing. I actually meant specifically like something that something that you learned from a dream. Mm. Mm. I have made up jokes in dreams. Oh, there you go. But it it's I think that what I'm kind of talking about with this is more like the Tetris effect thing where it's kind of like that anxiety state that your brain gets into a horrible loop where you're not actually asleep. Like you're actually consciously just like sort of struggling with pattern matching or, or trying to solve some puzzle or problem that doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that I've ever had any kind of useful insight come out of that other than God damn it, I wish my brain was not so fucked up and lame. <laughs> um, what have you been up to this past week, Jim? Um, so I've been meaning to tell this story um, about the time I sat in a hot car. I, I haven't told the story already, have I? I don't think so. <laughs> Don't know. Okay. I mean, it sounds it sounds real exciting, so I feel like I would remember it. <laughs> yeah. I I got into a car, and it was okay. pretty hot in the car because it's hot outside, and that's how it works. Like, the heat gets trapped in the anyway. Um, and I was sitting there. The heat, the heat also wants to go to Walgreens, <laughs> right? I was I was sitting there, and um, it just like something clicked in my head where I was like, some people do this on purpose. I was thinking about like saunas, like okay. where you go and sit in a hot room because you enjoy sitting in a hot room. And then instead of like turning on the car and turning on the car's air conditioning, I just sat there for a few minutes. I was like, huh, this is kind of nice. Hmm. Um, I, I always kind it, of assumed the pleasant, the pleasure of a sauna was in getting out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that did happen next when I turned on the car and the air conditioning. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a interesting, like, mental switch that I don't know if I'd be able to do it ever on purpose. It was just like a, a weird thing that happened in my head that showed me interesting possibilities that I can probably not, like, actually take advantage of with my conscious mind. 
I used to, every time we would get into the car in Arizona to go to lunch or go climbing or whatever, I would always sit without starting the car for as long as Kevin would allow me to. Because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that sensation of just being in a sweltering-ass car, and uh, Kevin really does not. <laughs> okay. But I also really like a sauna, and I really like a steam room. So uh, so I think some people just like that, and some people just don't, you know? Or, or in my case, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Hey, there you go. You could jump right out of a hot car into an ice-cold shower. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it... If only I would ever encounter a hot car on a snowy day. <laughs> Just get in your hot car and drive into a cold lake. <laughs> oh, there, there you go, yeah. <laughs> that just sounds like a sort of a Charlie Brown era. Like, <laughs> Insult, yeah. like why don't you go why don't you go drive a hot car into a cold lake? I just sort of a go fly a kite. <laughs> the, oh right. man, Dot. that amazing tweet that that Ryan posted a few hours ago that ended with what was it? With like, feel free to smoke my butthole like a cigarette. <laughs> uh, I guess, man. Oh, you didn't like that one? I thought that was hilarious. Well, I didn't like thi- I didn't like think like thinking about it, which I had. To, <laughs> like, you know, once that's. <laughs> Once that's said out loud, you know. You can't make the decision whether you want to do that without, like, thinking it through. Like, what it it would actually entail. (laughs) I mean, I'm pretty sure I I knew that I didn't want to. (laughs) Right? So it's it's not like I was imagining it. As a thought experiment, you know, to tell whether I w- was going to respond, ew, or yeah. <laughs> you know, was, well, you weren't in the category was, of people he was inviting anyway. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was presented as a, well, I, you don't know, you don't know how I feel about whatever the fuck <laughs> is going on with Joseph Gordon Levitt that I, everyone's angry about that I don't really understand. Huh? Huh? Um, that's, it's so, the yeah. spec work thing. It's like you shouldn't ask people to, to submit art for your thing without paying them. <clears throat> right? You can, like, say, hey, submit your portfolios, and we'll look at them. Right. But don't, like, say, hey, draw stuff for us. We're not going to pay you unless we... Or we'll pay, like, the two people we choose to hire or whatever, but the other right. hundred... You realize that wasted time. we hired Riff exactly because of that. <laughs> because of doing that, Right. But we didn't ask him to write parts of the game, like, right? We, like we, but we did. We we asked him to write two words. We asked the entire community to write two words for free. I'm, I know this is. I'm I'm arguing in bad faith here, just because I thought it was funny. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because we did we did that tw- like a couple times with KOL, where we would say, "Hey, we're gonna crowdsource like the names of these two like animals right. in this wildlife preserve or whatever, right?" And then we just sort of voted on the best ones, and then we had a we had a limerick writing contest, which that was technically asking people to do work for free. Uh, sure. None of it, none of it was worth paying for, <laughs> except for <laughs> yeah. maybe one, Man. maybe one of the limericks. But uh, all that would have been was was an ex- was an expensive lesson in how few people know what a limerick is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, clearly that's not the same thing as this for some reason of scale or intent 
or the fact that it's Joseph Gordon Levitt. Like, what the fuck does Joseph Gordon Levitt have to do with anything? Yeah, that was this? that, that was a the... new one on me. I I guess yeah, he so somehow involved he's been in some kind of company something? that is he? He, voicing he was doing this Beyond Good and Evil. Well, he, he he was running this like web series called Hit Record that was like taking. I, I guess the idea was that you would send your best like homemade comedy material or talent material to him, and then then he would make an anthology TV series about it or something. Um, and I think that became somehow a tie-in with this game. Where yeah, it's a similar thing, except you're, yeah. yeah, I think it's the, except now the that you're sending in your best material, sequel, isn't it? What are they trying to crowdsource for Beyond Good and Evil Two? Like that—that that seems like that is a game with such an intensely, like, specific aesthetic. Like, what are they asking people for? Like, what could I mean, they I, want from the, non-professionals? I think they were asking for concept art. I think music was involved like, as well. Okay. I mean, I totally get that, like, if you're a creative in charge of a project and you're worried about, like, you really need to wow the public um, and you're not sure your ideas are going to do it, it's a really safe thing. And again, I don't know if they're doing this, but it's a really safe thing to, like, ask, if you have a big audience, like, ask a thousand people to send you their best ideas and probably one of them is going to be better than what you came up with. Yeah, I, I right. Like I'm of I'm of a lot of different minds. I I definitely believe that you know you should get paid for creative work, but I don't think that like I don't think that that's an axiom necessarily. Yeah, I mean, right? so I've like, got a I've got a perspective on this, which is which comes from having. Uh, run a, I mean, so I, I actually did the math for this. A, uh, if, if I had paid everybody what they were worth for the development of Frog Fractions 2 and for the marketing of Frog Fractions 2, um, you know, my, my back of the envelope calculation was that it was close to a million dollars, the budget. Right. Um, the actual amount I paid people was much less than that, even if you count rev share after the fact, after shipping. Um, and the reason that I think this is okay is that I didn't have the money. Yeah. Well, also um, you're not Ubisoft. You're not worth billions right. of dollars. Exactly. That's 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 what I mean. Like Ubisoft, at least you would assume if they're paying the budget to make a game, they pro they have the money to pay artists as well. Yeah, I mean, I guess I have a hard time, though, like, I have a hard time saying that, like, anyone or any organization is, like, morally in the wrong for, like, asking for a favor. I don't know. I mean, it, it's, like, if they're not lying, if they're upfront about what's involved, and if the people who are doing the work don't mind doing the work without getting paid, that doesn't seem evil to me i guess Just, like the fact that they're rich doesn't make everything they do evil i i think I'll, part of it is, is a, that, that is a tricky thing to convince anyone of part like, part of it is that uh um 
I've I've forgotten what the term is for this kind of work. Um, spec the, work. But spec work. The part of it is that spec work is often seen as a scam on like just like yeah on yeah it's, one it's, argument it's, it's it's yeah it's scamming like new artists who don't know what the field is like yet right one argument is that it's exploitative another one is that yeah, um exploitative because there are so many artists willing to be exploited that devalues the work of artists who are getting paid um yeah. and yeah i think you could make the argument that that means art isn't worth anything um <laughs> yeah. But I'm not going to be doing that. Right. Yeah, that's I, me too and me neither. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, I mean, I think part of it is also like if a person asks for that, it's possible they just don't know any better. But Ubisoft sure as hell should know better. Right. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Right. Like they yeah, should. It's know. not like your your uncle asking to de design a logo for his hardware store yeah. or whatever, you know, I want to I want to I want to actually drive. I want to back my truck up uh, a little bit and say not that I believe that art has no value, but I believe that art is not a thing that can meaningfully be evaluated in the context of capitalism. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, it's like that's not what it's for it and so its intersection is. with that system is going to be fucked up and weird okay well i think that depends if you're ask if you're talking about art as you know capital a art as an art form or art as a commodity that people need to buy to put in their game you know i'm not 100% sure that i want to allow that distinction yeah, because the you don't need like you don't need the video game either, right? Like that's that is because the video game is also this like unnecessary leisure activity, right? Like how do you how do you evaluate the value of those kinds of things anyway? Right, and I mean the, you know the answer that the economic system gives us is they're worth whatever people will pay for them. Sure. Right, and that's how you arrive at the argument that art and music aren't worth anything. Right? Well, I mean, what, you know, we but we try to be good actors in this, right? Like we, we try to pay people, right? Like, we try to pay people for things that that we think have value. But like, imagine you know? if they were asking people to write code on spec. How is that different? I I don't I don't know that I believe that it would be different. I mean, and and this the, the uh, another thing that's true of both of those situations is that people are free to not do it. Uh, it's because what about the websites where that like are is it like Stack Overflow where you're like I don't know how to solve this problem and people for free go there and say here's how you can here's how you write an algorithm to solve this problem. Uh, is that exploitative? Right. Yeah. Are you are you now doing are you devaluing consulting? Like, are you devaluing expertise? I've definitely seen people complaining, like, yeah, Stack Overflow is... They, Stack Overflow is making money off of their communities answering each other's questions. And, like, I don't know if I buy that, because the service Stack Overflow is providing is the, the framework for it. Yeah. Um, and, then, and the community management, which I would say they're right now doing a bad job of, but, like... um. They're still 
doing something. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, you know, people, people are good at insisting that people should be paid for stuff, but then people also don't want to pay for anything. <laughs> so there's kind of a man. I'm not trying to stick up for Ubisoft. Mostly what I was trying to uh, express was that I have no idea why everyone's mad at Joseph Gordon-Levitt today. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what the story really is there either. I think I think he's a, a dreamboat, and from hearing him interviewed, he seems like a cool a cool guy with pretty good priorities. Um, I liked him in Brick. Did you? Did you? <laughs> yes. I still haven't seen I mean, it. Kevin, Kevin disagrees. Kevin's least oh. favorite movie. Well, yeah. how how about how about that other Joseph Gordon um, Third Rock from the Sun? I never saw that series. Okay. Yeah, I don't know that I ever saw an entire episode of Third Rock from the Sun either. Oh, dude, was he the kid in that? Yeah. Yep. Holy crap. I never put that two and two together. <laughs> and his parents didn't let him have any of his money until he was old enough to make responsible decisions with it, so he did. Hmm. Uh, and he didn't, like, he didn't get into child drugs. <laughs> and they also didn't, like, take the money and... Yeah, they, they didn't yeah. rip him off, which is, yeah. Wow. Which is a, a great thing, yeah. So, yeah. That's so, kind yeah, of amazing. He, he, I think he just sort of, like, became an adult, independently wealthy, and then has since just, like, funded a bunch of indie movies and stuff like yeah it just he just seems like he just seems like a force for good and it's all thanks to brick <laughs> yeah it is it's all thanks to the inherent purity of whatever planet he grew up on <laughs> uh what have you been up to this past week jim apart from being in a Sing hot car, car which i I, I was hoping i, I could get away with just week. telling me telling that story <laughs> uh, uh, April's in her third trimester now, so we're starting to deal with, uh, what they call, apparently they call the second trimester the honeymoon trimester, because that's the nice uh, one. Okay. I see. That's uh, and the third one is where the, first one? the, the third one is where the, the, the first one is like, like nausea and, um, like hormone changes. And the third one is oh, where the real physical distress starts, kicks in. I see. Is she like forgetful and confused and and zomboid? Hungry. Uh no, no, she's just she's more like uncomfortable. Mm. Like having trouble sleeping. Roy's uh, Roy's wife is like days away from having their second child. I saw her yesterday and she she has has said that this pregnancy more than her previous one like she's just feels like her intelligence is all being drained in order to sustain the baby. <laughs> maybe the baby's right. in her brain. Yeah, maybe the oh, baby will be, be extra smart then. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Comes from comes from good stock. Uh, what have you been up to, Riff? Uh, what trimester is your wife in? <laughs> uh... <laughs> There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of weird questions I would have to answer to fully answer that question. Um, well, I got time. Nothing, nothing really going on here that I can think of. Re recovering from vacation with your parents. 
Yeah, that I watched. I watched a whole ton of uh, uh, let's plays for that uh, Pathologic game. What and is Pathologic? It was. It well is was it, it was a game that was then HD mastered and re released and is currently in production of a like a not just a texture upgrade but like a full on remake re remaster which they are calling Pathologic Two, and even though it's basically the same game again. So that's yeah, Pathologic was a little bit, but one of those like Russian first person adventure games yeah, from like maybe 2005. It's, it's basically a game there the, where there's like this small town out in the Russian steppe where everything's kind of weird and mystical in a way that you're likely not familiar with because it's, because it's like Russian mythology instead of Western mythology. And, you're one of three characters, like three different types of doctors that, that have shown up to this town for various reasons right before a huge plague hits. And the different characters are trying to re react to this plague and either like cure the plague or save the people in the town or, or other stuff, uh, depending on which character you're playing and just, over the course of 12 game days, just having to deal with the fallout of this plague going on and dealing with like the political machinations of the, of the, the main characters who live in the town and the factions and, and all this terrible stuff that springs up as a result. And meanwhile, the town is going more and more to shit and becoming a war zone so that as you're, traveling from place to place in town just the streets get increasingly more dangerous from day to day and it's it's basically like it's a survival sim because you have to you have to maintain your own like hunger and sleep deprivation and health and uh how how infected you yourself have gotten um plus extensive conversation trees with all the different characters which which can affect like your reputation which might cause uh problems down the line or um things like uh the the moral decisions you have to make that are often like a choice between doing the moral thing or the thing that is likely to help you win the game <laughs> So like like you have to you have to decide between success or uh or or uh ethics frequently and and just generally having to deal with uh with fighting in the streets as you're traveling between all these different characters. Uh it's a it's a pretty wild thing. Yeah, I remember why are you watching, why are you watching it instead of playing it? Um because it's just not the sort of game that I'm into playing. I'd rather watch like an LP of someone who knows the game real well and can show it all off instead of me just stumbling through it. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember reading about this game back when back the original back when it was out and thinking that this sounds amazing and I never want to play it. Yeah. Um. Or rather, 
Like, I, I want to have played it without actually going through the process of playing it. Yeah. It's, um, it's super crazy weird. I'll, I'll put, I'll put a, I'll give a link to the, to the let's play because the guy, the guy did a let's play for each of the three characters. So we can put that in the show. Oh, notes. wow. Yeah. That's very diligent. How long is it? Um, I've watched the first part and I want to say it was maybe like 15 hours long altogether for the first character. I do don't, I don't them, know how, uh, normal how long it would be to play it. Sped up? I watch them normal speed, but while doing other stuff. Fifteen hours sounds like a long time to me, but yeah. Imagine have if you were playing the game for that long. Yeah. <laughs> have you played any video games for fifteen hours this week, Riff? Uh, nothing new. I'm nearly done with Dark Souls two, and I finished. Uh, I finished up nearly all the side stuff I want to do before calling my last Pokemon run done. And uh, I I want to I played a lot of uh, our assignment i i finished that and want to i want to do all the collectibles in that because that was a sweet ass wow. game wow but i don't know um, that it's all that long honestly i could be wrong yeah it wasn't that it long like i feel like i spent i i really have no idea how long i spent on it but my guess would be between 10 and 20 hours oh wow okay maybe it's longer than i thought <laughs> i've only played a few hours and it just it felt like it was the map, the map is is maybe bigger than it initially seems. Maybe a dozen hours is how much I played. I'm not sure. Well, have you been playing anything, Jim? I played some um, Trials Fusion, which is, is a game that motorcycle racing game. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is a game that I came to. It, it's been around for a while, and the genre has been along around for longer than that. But um, I play. The first one I played was Trials HD on the Xbox 360, and this is a series where um, it's it's fully 2D. It's rendered in 3D, but like you are, uh, it's a 2D platformer effectively, where your dude is a motorcycle instead of a person, and the motorcycle is full, like is very f- physically simulated more so than most game vehicles, um, where like. And the controls you have, you can, um, you can lean your rider forward or back, which shifts the, the weight of, uh, the weight applied to each wheel. Um, and then, uh, you can accelerate or brake. And the motorcycle has a rider, but you're identifying the player as the motorcycle and not the rider. <laughs> that's, that's just the sentence that I came up with. Don't read too much into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I I definitely I, that, that does kind of suit I, like the the little bit of it I've seen because it it did kind of seem like the ra- the the rider was just a rag doll that was clinging for dear yeah, life to the top of this motorcycle. Sort of like, yeah, <laughs> like as far words. as I can tell, yeah, as far as I can tell, like you pick your motorcycle when you pick a level, but you don't ever like. I guess the, that would that would actually make sense of you because you're always the same person. You don't actually there's no like character creator as far as I can tell. But you pick your motorcycle. Um, anyway, the um, the the way you land after a jump matters a lot. So you're like angling the bike to land on on the wheels. Like the um, 
your traction matters a lot. So like if you're trying to climb a hill, you need to make sure that your rear wheel is on the ground or you won't be able to accelerate. But if you accelerate too much, you're going to flip over backwards. Uh, if you're not leaning forward, you're going to flip over backwards because that's the, where, where the angles are going. Um, you can like lean back a little. What is it? You, I think you lean forward and then back a little bit to like use your rear shocks to do a small jump. Um, it's very, uh, very physically driven and very like specific. Um, and I really, really got into it in like, you know, what, whenever it was 2008 or whenever the, the Xbox 360 game was released. Uh, and it, um, it felt to me at the time, like, you know, this is, uh, I feel like, and I'm never going to do this, but it, it felt real. It felt like if I were to actually get on a dirt bike and try to climb a hill, the lessons I learned from this game would serve me well. Hmm. We should go ride dirt bikes. Uh, I said I was never going to do it, and I meant it. That sounds very <laughs> I'm dangerous. Suggesting, I'm suggesting that we do it because I think it would be fun, and it not da- it's not dangerous at all, Jim. No one ever gets hurt on a motorcycle. Oh, okay. And, all right. Um, where else are you going to catch sick air in your day-to-day life? Yeah. It's important good that you point. get all this risky behavior out of your system now before you have a kid. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's what I need to do. I need to widow my wife and then I mean yeah since since it's a virtual certainty that you will die in a motorcycle accident the only responsible thing is to do it before your child has a chance to develop an no affinity you. for you. It's, it, you make a good point. You've sold me. All right. I'll see you Tuesday at the motocross range. <laughs> okay. Uh and I played some um Spartan Fist. Which wow. is a game that, that sounds um, hardcore. <laughs> I, I, it's a game that um, I forget the name of the studio, but the person I follow on Twitter who made the game is Megan Fox, who made uh, Hot Tin Roof. Yeah. Um. What is what is Hot Tin Roof? Hot Tin Roof is is um. It's like a noir. It's in a yeah, like a noir adventure game with starring a cat. Like a detective adventure kind of a situation. And it's got like, it's got a little bit of, um, platforming to it and a little bit of, um, like, uh, loading your gun with different elements to solve puzzles. So your cat has a gun? Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a detective cat. I think, he, I think is the he, cat wears a trench coat too. Is he, does he walk on as a biped? I think so. Yeah, if I remember right. Or does he have so, a just kind of gun that he uses with his mouth. Just, just to make clear to the listeners, we're now talking about Hot Tin Roof instead of Spartan <laughs> Fist, <laughs> in case anybody's yeah, confused. <laughs> anyway, Spartan Fist is. Uh, Spartan Fist is as, from what I can tell, it's a Binding of Isaac inspired roguelike, a first person roguelike. Where, um, where you, um, you punch everything, um, and all the upgrades are in the forms of different things you can do to your fists. Huh. Um, uh, and it, and it's got a kind of a, a voxel art style to it, which I, which I think works, works really well. Um, but the combat was really frustrating to me, and I think 
it's due to the first personness of it. Like, it was really hard for me to get a read on what was actually happening around me. Um, mm. And I think that's part of the gameplay, but also it makes it harder to, like, when, like, if you're trying to learn enemy behaviors or learn, like, what traps to avoid or whatever, um, it's a lot harder to learn that stuff if you can't actually, if you're not actually looking at it. And, and yeah, so I, I, the one of the one of the recent Creighton crowbars, uh, they were talking about City of Brass, which is another sort of proc gen, like very like spelunky level of deadly first person game. It's got a kind of Arabian Nights uh, theming to it. And yeah. Chris Thurston was kind of making that same point. Like the reason that th the reason that it feels OK that things are so dangerous in The Binding of Isaac or Spelunky is that you you can always tell what killed you. Yeah. Whereas in a first person game, if you're just, if you're just looking in the wrong direction, something will kill you and you'll just never know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So what city of brass needs is a, um, instant replay of your death from the traps perspective. Like, uh, like overwatch has. It's true. Or a rebranding uh, re owing to a typo, uh, wherein it becomes the city of Dr. Ass. Right. Um, and I wanted to play Moon Crash, but last I checked, there's still like 18 hours left on that download. Uh, Moon Crash is the, um, the Prey DLC that was announced and also was just apparently released during the Bethesda press conference. Right. At that so, makes me very sad that I didn't uh, bring my computer to Arizona with me because uh, I'm really eager to see what that is. I heard a worrisome uh, little little tidbit, which was that there is no story content in it. That is worrisome. Is that, is that true? I don't know. I, I, I've done almost no research about it. I was just like, oh, pray DLC. And then yeah. I bought it. Yeah, I what everything that I saw about it, the thing, the 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 situation that I formed in my mind based on the information that was given to me via not doing any real research, just sort of letting Twitter wash over me, was that it's some kind of like very replayable systems heavy prey kind of mini game, and that there's not, it's not really like an immersive sim. It's it's like. I don't know. Uh, like it's it's like a battle royale. It's a hundred of you parachute yeah, onto yeah. an island. Yeah, good. Yeah, except the island is the moon, right? And it's you and ninety nine Typhon nightmares. <laughs> it's you and ninety nine technopaths. Now those guys are easy, no problem. But it depends if I get to level up first. Yeah, I mean, I'll play it anyway. I'll, I'll report yeah, back next For week, probably. Sure. Yeah. How disappointed I am. Well, maybe I'm wrong, and now I've set your expectations low so that when you get, when there is some story, even if it is just, uh, uh, what, what, Wellington, you, <laughs> what was Morgan used older brother's name? Alex. Alex, <laughs> you, say, saying, uh, by the way, M Morgan, I was just kidding about whether your choices matter or, or not. They didn't. 
Uh-huh. The end. Like if that was the story. Uh, you know I, the story, the story of Prey One is that your choices matter. The story right. of this expansion is like, no, whoops, nah. <laughs> I, I could get into that. Man, Prey was a good game. I, I want to forget about it so that I can play it again. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. We could, we should like when, take up boxing so we can destroy each other's <laughs> memories. Yeah, I mean, we could we could get we could become scientists and try to bring about the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind future. Oh yeah, that'd be great. And you would Just really only ever need the... one good piece of art at that point. Yeah, D- didn't the Men in Black Elizer come up in some similar context earlier today? Uh, yeah, we were talking about building that technology into the credits of West of Loathing oh, right. so that we could make people forget that they had played it and then also delete it from their Steam library so that when they saw it recommended, then they would buy it again and play That's it right. again. Like the hotel clerk uh, selling the dude in Memento a second room. Um, what have you played video games-wise, Kevin? I finished uh, Talos Principle, the the base game. I have not yet played the uh, expansion. Nice. Did you get all the stars? I got all the stars. I got. I, I played through it a couple. I played through the ending a couple times to get all the endings as well. Cool. Um, I did not get all the Easter eggs because holy crap, oh, are there are a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's so many Easter eggs. Some of them are pretty it's, cool. Yeah. Some of them are real. What, dumb. Is an, what is an Easter egg in that game? They're all different kind. There are entire areas of the game that are just like Easter egg references to other games or uh, things that the developers liked. There are like whole areas where the de- I think the developers are running around as little automated like projections, and you can like go up to them and see their faces and stuff. But they're not. They're doing weird dances and stuff. I, it, yeah, I don't know. It was very strange. I I didn't bother translating all the coded bits in the game. I don't know how much information Oh, uh, like all the is in the there. hexadecimal and stuff. Yeah. Uh yeah, I feel like there's it's not like like I don't think you missed anything. It, it there there's Wait. it's it's more easter egg type stuff basically. Yeah. And that just wasn't I just didn't care enough, I think. Yeah. Um so, uh, and that's video game wise. That's about all I played. Um, besides the assignment, um, the only thing uh, besides the assignment that I played was the uh, unreleased next game from uh, Chris Adventure Mountain. Uh, the the person who made that what is it called Zombie King Run? Yeah. What was the name of that game? Return of the Zombie King. I can look. Uh, and uh, Wizard Golf zom- RPG, Zombie um, Zombie King is what it's called. It's just called Zombie King, yeah. Uh, so this new game is called One Screen Platformer, and it's it's really like one level platformer. It's a giant it's a giant platforming level with multiple player characters, and I don't know. I've only tried it with one of them because I I didn't get a chance to play it too much because my keyboard situation is still all fucked up here, and that in a in a really uh, really frenetic twitch platformer that is especially bad when you 
every once in a while just stop running and have to press the key again to start running again. Is it? Um, it's not iOS. No. Interesting. The beta test, at least, is just on PC. Huh. Um, but it is it is really good so far. Um, it's it's kind of like. Uh, it's evocative of like uh, I want to be the guy in terms of like the tightness and and the fidelity of stuff. Like it's it's like a sixteen by sixteen uh, pixel pixel art tiles, um, a lot of just like spikes and obstacles to dodge and ladders to climb and jumps to make and stuff. Uh, but but like the world is, and I can see things where it's like okay, this is obviously something that I would be able to interact with as a different character and make it different choice at this fork and go in a different direction. And I think each of the characters has their own objective within the, within the giant level. But um, yeah, it's real promising. I'm really excited about it. Cool. And it's also going to be uh, the first game on most people's steam libraries. If they buy it, because it is one, the numeral one screen platformer, it'll be just <laughs> below zero degrees, North zero degrees West. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna, that's going to beat out ah, a reckless disregard for gravity. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Although at some point I think I bought something called a hundred amps or a thousand amps, which uh, which was the th first thing for a long time. But it also at some point I started sorting games by recency, unless I'm looking for a specific thing. Yeah. Oh. And so. Yeah, that's just smart. I guess I also have played a bunch of Hearthstone. There's a weird event going on right now where there's different daily quests that are sort of easier to do and reward a lot more juice and <laughs> there are a bunch of just weird arena only cards in the in the drafting mode that are pretty cool like they're they're cards that would be too powerful to have in the normal game or just too weird to have come out in the normal game um a lot of time travel related stuff so that's fun if you like Hearthstone, play Hearthstone. You already know that. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk about the assignment? Yo is it Yoku's Island Express? Yeah. Yeah. No, let's do Yoku's it. Yoku's Island Express. Um, guys, I didn't really like this game, so I think you're going to have to oh, do all the talking. You like pinball. I How did you not like this game? You like pinball I really like and Metroidvanias. I yeah, I, but what I don't like is uh, trying to figure out how to get where I'm going on a series of unfamiliar one-way streets, and that is that is the feeling that this game evoked for me in a, <laughs> in a really in a really stressful and like I I spent a lot of time feeling like the game was not being particularly respectful of my time. Uh, hmm. because there wasn't enough going on in each of the little enclosed pinball sections for the pinball to be fun. It was just like a maze and everything looks exactly the same as everything else in the entire game, at least in the first like hour or so that I played. And it's like, I mean, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it kind of reminded me of La Mulana in the, the sense that like... <laughs> game so sure. yeah i i also like a tiny fraction of the game i was also pretty frustrated with how easily i got lost and how hard it was to get my bearings huh yeah and that you can get to those telescopes where you can zoom out and look at a map but then it's at a level of detail that is useless well but like you can, it's but 
you can also that, just, that just push the button that, to bring up the map, right? Yeah, that just adds that information to your regular map. But uh, the map is still zoomed out. To, like, you can't tell which areas are traversable and which areas aren't by looking at the map. Unless there was just, like, a trick that I don't know you can, to make the map not game art. Like, this is another thing like Heat Signature where, like, if there was a button to just turn off the art, I would do it. Because... Hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't find any trouble reading it. It has two zoom sort of levels. A mental model thing. Like, if you can sort of keep it all in your head isn't that big a deal but if you if that isn't something like if that isn't one of your skills or i feel like this is it's very similar to like the 3d spaces where you're just getting lost all the time in them in video games right. yeah. um yeah I, and i definitely had an easier time in the parts where like i could remember where i was going and, and where i had been um mm -hmm. and, and that was that was fine for like the first half hour but then i got sent on like a series of of nested quests that demanded I, I I actually don't know if I actually have to know all this stuff but I definitely was like I am now I, I spent the first half hour of the game like in a pretty understandable region of the world and then the second half hour in just like this could go on forever and it all looks the same to me um, and sometimes I'm playing fun pinball mini games and sometimes I am like Sometimes I'm doing neat platforming, and some, but most of the time I'm just lost. Huh. Yeah, that was also entirely my experience of it. Like, I just... It's it's weird. I, what do you think it is that makes it look totally homogenous to us, but not to Kevin and Riff? It's an excellent question. I So, so one thing I wanted was I wanted, like, even the regular... Like the non-map version of the, I, I thought it was too zoomed out. Like I couldn't see details in that I wanted to see in like the protagonist, for example. Like uh, I thought was like I, I bet that guy's pretty cute, but I can't TV. actually see him. Were you playing yeah. it on handheld? Maybe that I was playing handheld. Maybe yeah, that's I only, I, I only have a handheld way to play here. Yeah, yeah, because it is pretty small on the Switch screen. Yeah, I've only been playing on the TV, so I guess that's... There we go. Yeah, that's that uh, that's, that's pretty then. strong. <laughs> um, I am. I was surprised by how much stuff from real pinball sort of was kept as design elements in this game. Hmm. Like, yeah. as you are hitting your flippers, it's rotating lights that you, just like you would on a pinball for like the skill shot mm -hmm. thing it's doing that a lot there's a lot of things where you are uh like there's little spinning things that yep. you would have on a pinball table there's uh and you hit all the targets and a bunch of bananas shoot out yeah, yeah. like it's, it's <laughs> the physics are really modes. it really it's, fudgy though it's like got there's multi only ball it's got like just so much it, stuff. They, they're definitely like faking every shot, though. Like the, a given flipper, there's only like two ways that the ball can go off of it. That is not true. In no, that's in not the, true. In the spaces that I saw, like you they're, never in the you never in miss the traverse in the traversal areas, there are there are like 
springs whose purpose is to push you up to a different platform and those will yeah. constrain you to the vertical or whatever but when you're on a pinball huh. table the physics are real as far as i yeah. could tell I, I yeah that was my experience them. too like i was actually really are, frustrated by the the in so the, the distinction that riff was riff was making that in the um in the 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 bumpers that are that are that exist to send you over to a certain um part of the world like above you or to your side like those are those tra- trajectories are hard coded and you can't adju- can't adjust them um but my experience when i was playing uh like the the pinball mini games where i was bouncing around trying to hit certain bumpers or whatever i forget the only pinball word i know is bumpers apparently uh <laughs> jet jets uh, sure yeah that those that that, that physics felt pretty good to me pretty pretty like i had control over over what was happening uh, i i don't know man i i feel like on one of the earlier simple like pinball table areas there where there's like two shots like two different shots that you can take off of the left flipper my impression of that was absolutely that you either got one or you got the other or you drained the ball like that it was that it was just faking whatever it thought you were going for. Hmm. Maybe that was the like, tutorial I one. It's I don't think it's actually thing, possible but... to hit in between the ramps. It, it, on, like, on a, in the later levels, it, all it the definitely time. is yeah, because definitely. you're doing it all the time. And and to, that that is one way in which I got frustrated. Like I would have completed all of the objectives in a particular pinball level, except for something, some like hidden secret thing that I could tell I was making progress on that I had to make the same shot like 20 times in a row. And it was a hard shot and I was regularly missing it and just hitting a variety of different things. But you were hitting a different shot. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, no, I wasn't, I was like hitting the middle. I wasn't hitting ramps or whatever. I was hitting like the posts and it was all over the place. You're just too good at pinball, Zach. No, I'm. That's not. I, th- maybe they stop faking it at a certain point. That's. I'm wondering if it's just that one introductory thing, because it definitely, it definitely, at the very least, feels way more physics-driven in the later levels for sure. I like. I found myself really wishing that what this game was was just a series of levels. Right, and it didn't like that you didn't have to like find your way around a big dumb world. Uh, not me. That was part. That was absolutely like a large part of the charm for me. That, that exploration is a, was great. It's a, it's a good Metroidvania. Like, there's a bunch of cool power ups, and you can get them in all sorts of different orders. And there's a bunch of sequence breaking that you can do. Like, there's a lot going on with this. Uh, yeah, and that, uh, that's something that like. So it, it is important to me that the the world is there in this game. It just isn't actually working. Like I wouldn't be interested in playing a series of levels with in in, in this game. I think you need to. Mm. I think y'all need to play it on a TV and report back. Because yeah, it's worth it's trying. Much, much better. Uh, maybe and maybe yeah. that's the, the the major difference. Um, I will I, give it a shot. I definitely felt like there were some issues, like that, like that thing where you. Have, like you know that there's one more thing to get out of a particular level but it's just a very difficult shot that you have to do a bunch of times i feel like that could they could have maybe not done that all the time hmm. um, i feel, I feel like, like a lot a lot of those are a lot of those are just 
extra fruit. I, I feel like the but, ones but there have not been end up being very the, many those little the, what are wicker wicker men or whatever. Yeah, like, I don't. Like, I mean, there there are definitely a bunch of those that are you know gated between the crystal orbs or whatever they are that you have to shatter. I don't. I don't feel like I've hit them that have been that long to get though. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just bad at, at pinball, and that's part of the problem. Um, ha, the, I, another thing that I found kind of annoying was that stupid noisemaker. <laughs> oh, you didn't like that? <laughs> I kind of like that. Free! It's, it's amusing, but then the fact that you kind of need to use it all over the place, hmm. and it just gets to be a loud, repetitive, annoying sound. Like... You know, something else that was a slight turnoff to me was every time I wanted to interact with something on the world map, I would roll just past its interactable zone. Yeah, that happened to me all the time. Go back to hit A. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know what... uh, And I assumed, like, well, maybe I'm supposed to be thinking of myself as the ball and not the beetle, but then that seems like I'd be making the opposite (laughs) mistake if that were the case. But... Anyway, I I was there are some cool systems that you don't even like that you have access to early on that you don't necessarily even realize. I I don't know if you got to the point where you got the slug vacuum. No. So there are these explosive slugs in the game and you can sort of adhere them to your ball temporarily. um, But they're only on one side of the ball. And after 20 seconds or something like that, they explode. But you can carefully position where they are in in relationship to the ground or to a wall or whatever and they will propel you in the opposite direction which allows you to like effectively jump in certain certain areas which is cool Hmm. so there's and it's just neat because like they don't ever explain that at least i'm not aware of them yeah yeah but it allows you to get to a bunch of places that you couldn't normally get to and stuff that was pretty pleasing to figure out there's a there's a mechanic that I, I'm sure is going to be some sort of mobility thing that I have not yet gotten, which is like there's a bunch of like closed flower petals yep. sort of in the air, and I have not yet figured that out. But that like I, that's signposted as if it's a thing that I'll figure out at some point. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I don't know. It it feels it feels it, it does a lot of things really well in the in the Metroidvania like leveling progression is is really satisfying so well maybe i'll give it another chance on an actual big screen yeah i think that will make hopefully that will make enough of a difference to to draw you in so speaking of uh speaking of playing games on the switch uh we're finally gonna play hollow knight because it finally came out on the switch so we finally play it um i actually played a bunch of it already but i'll play it again you do that um yeah hollow knight what kind of game is it is it like a platformer dark souls it is a it's more of a metroidvania uh but it does have the dark souls like if you die you have to go back and get your stuff Mm. huh interesting Yeah, so it's a real switch-heavy couple of weeks, and then mm-hmm. well, I'll be back in San Francisco soon, and we'll get together and play some Jim, Jimmy Jam's jam, 
battle jams <laughs> together as a squad. motocross squad. <laughs> oh yeah, we got to do that too. I, I'm yeah, well, f- I'm meeting you at the motocross. That's the assignment. On I'm looking forward Tuesday. to the, uh, the Killer Queen Switch game. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I heard that was a thing. Yeah, I, I would like to be able to play Killer Queen online at my leisure. No, I would also enjoy going to dinner and having a delicious hamburger. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I've had a fantastic time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we do it again real soon. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And uh, maybe we can get into an actual fucking studio next time so that this is not a mm. talking over each other, bad audio quality trash fire. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds nice. I look forward to it. Kakaboo-boo-balaya. Time for emails. Good night, everybody. Have a great week, everyone.